You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Hey there. Thanks for being here with me this week. I know you are going to love hearing from this week's guest, Chef April Thompson. She's a personal chef to pro athletes and even some Hollywood movie producers. This episode of the CLE Foodcast is sponsored by Perfectly Imperfect Produce. You probably know this local woman-owned company for the home delivery boxes of rescued produce, much of it seasonal and from Ohio Farms and Companies. I'm looking forward to trying some of their newest options, which are made for the way we're living today. If you're struggling to get a wholesome, veggie-forward meal on the table between work, helping your kids with schoolwork, getting them to sports, and all the other things you have to do, give Perfectly Imperfect Produce a try and get some of that time back. Now, when you visit perfectlyimperfectproduce.com, click on the diced and easy option where you'll see recipe kits for fully prepped meals, a la carte produce, pre-made salads and grain bowls, and even some snacks. I'm so excited to receive my delivery this week because I'm going to be making vegetable poke bowls. I'm trying to make a few meatless meals each week and these bowls should come together super fast because everything is prepped and ready to go. I'll be sure to share my box with you on the CLE Foodcast social media channels. I love cooking, but sometimes I need to save time. I've also found that having cut and pre-portioned vegetables and fruits makes me eat more of them more often. I love the idea of using fruits and vegetables that were rescued from the waste stream because someone didn't think they were perfect. Visit perfectlyimperfectproduce.com now to get started and use the code CLEFOODCAST to save 20% on your first order through January. Again, CLEFOODCAST is the code to use to save 20% on your first Perfectly Imperfect Produce order all through January. I caught up with Chef April while she was in her car driving to her production facility where she makes and bottles sauces and dressings and other products. But most of her days are spent planning and preparing meals for pro athletes. And yep, you do know many of them. I just love this conversation. April is honest and she tells it like it is. But mostly the thing I truly love about her is that she unapologetically believes in herself. I think we can all learn about what we're capable of by listening to her story. Oh, and because she was driving, you will hear a few garbles and some static. Here's my conversation with Chef April Thompson. April, thank you so much for being on the CLE Foodcast. How is it going today? Thank you for having me. And today is amazing as usual. I'm enjoying this uh, preview to winter. I wish it would go ahead and snow. I kind of do too. I feel like it's the one thing that I have missed out of this holiday season, to be honest. A big, big old dump of snow that kind of makes us have to like hunker down and hang out and, you know, drink tea and just relax. Yes. I know that you are busy all the time. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and how fitting it is that you're in your car driving somewhere. <laughs> and, and, and where are you headed? I'm headed down to my commercial kitchen so that I can finish up my online orders for my socks line. I am done with clients for the day. Okay. Yes, because you are a multi-potentialite if there ever was one. You are a multi-entrepreneur. <laughs> um, so let's see. First off, I just want to tell you, I really love connecting with you in this way because of Omicron and a number of other things. You're working with food and you're taking care of a lot of clients. We're not in person. I do miss that. And I hope to see you at a farm market real soon. That's usually where I've encountered you. But I have to tell you something. I derive 
a lot of pleasure out of seeing you on your social media and what you're putting out into the world on Instagram, the positivity, the wisdom. And I'm just curious to ask you, what is the source of that inspiration? Well, I have to say it's my parents. It's my upbringing. More my dad than my mom, although she used to always say, like, you give your dad credit for everything. Like, I didn't help raise you. But my dad is Native American. And our entire upbringing was all about peace and love and harmony and um, just about doing your part in the world, which is why I love my homeless initiative Mm -hmm. to feed the homeless a chef-inspired meal every week. And I was uh, on the board of directors at Ronald McDonald House. I just recently had to step down for Mm -hmm. a minute because my schedule is overwhelming and I feel like I'm not doing enough. And it's also COVID. The house is shut down. So I can't even do all the things that I would normally do. But it's always been taught to us that, you know, kind of like rent, this is our rent for being here. You have to be good to people and you have to do service and just always make sure to leave wherever you are and whoever you are with better than when you found them. So I'm literally always in a good mood and I'm always just happy to be here. Like, I think if, if happy to be here was a statement, it's just me. I'm just happy to wake up. Oh, for real. Anything else I can handle. I feel like also you're at a place in your life where you really have a gift of knowing yourself. Um, and I, I think I'm getting there. I think I'm, I'm really close to getting there as well. You, you have a wisdom and I think a real appreciation for what, for what you have and also some confidence. Does that come naturally because of your upbringing or is that something that you've developed, you know, over time doing what you do in the world? Probably a little bit of both because you grow up with that type of upbringing and you feel invincible and you were really loved and always told how, you know, amazing you are. And then you get out into the real world as an adult. People are like, you suck. (laughs) You're just like, wow, like, where did that come from? What did I do? And so you do go through those phases of, you know, the people pleasing and the approval seeking. And then you know, I don't, I'm not sure when it clicked. It didn't take long, but to be like, Hey, excuse me, you're April Thompson. You better knock it off. You know who you are. Like, so now I always tell people when they ask me questions like these is like to never take things personal. So if you say, Hey, April, you are amazing. I don't take that any more personal than I would you saying you suck because I'm very secure in who I am. You know, yeah. it is a learning process. It is a continuous journey. Yeah of just staying in touch with your inner self and always, you know, ignoring the voices in your head because they do the most damage anyway. Oh, it's so true. My God, I feel like I want to ask you to be my life coach right now. (laughs) Hey, I got you. I got you. You've got room in your schedule. Come on. (laughs) I I sure do. (laughs) So we're going to talk about your interesting start in the business and some other things. But before we do that, I, I guess I'm curious to know, it sounds like you were very grounded and you had an amazing foundation, which a lot of people don't have. But as you rose in your field, did you did you face struggle? And if you did, like what kind of struggle? You know, was it tough to be a woman? Did you face discrimination? Um, it, it seems like you kind of came up through maybe a little bit of a non-traditional route and you really relied on yourself. So, you know, tell me about that. Well, my biggest struggle, I would say, would have been my mom telling me like how are you about to be a chef because if you think I started this journey with school in 87 and um 
there were no African-American chefs. There's no food network, not a lot of female chefs. Like this just wasn't going to be. And so my mom, who's from the deep South, she's like, you better get a job. You better get a real job. You better stop playing. You better go to school for this, that, and the other. and something that's going to pay bills. And for me, because my dad, my dad was always, whatever you do, you should have your own business because you won't be able to make it under somebody else's direction, which was so true. He saw that in you. Because I cannot tell you how many times I have been uh, escorted from the premises. I can't. I don't like people telling me what to do. Even with my clients, I always let them know in the beginning, I don't work for you. I work with you to achieve a nutrition goal. So let's never be confused about that. As far as like discrimination or anything like that, People told me to expect these things and to expect to be shut out because I wasn't a restaurant chef and to expect to be, you know, um, not as included because I was a female. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. I decided not to expect any of those things. I expected people to see my talents. The last thing I need to be known as is Black. That's apparent. And I love it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. notice it when I walk in the door and then get over it because... There's so much talent behind here. So I don't care if I come in the door fluorescent green. Yeah. You better get this food and be glad that I showed up. And that's kind of the attitude that I had to have. But another problem or challenge that I did face was people wanting to lowball me. Mm-hmm. And so it it got to a point at first, again, you're doing the people pleasing and you want to get clients, you're new out here, and you don't want to burn any bridges. And then I said again. April Thompson, who are you? Mm -hmm. Like, you are worth this. You know what you need to charge. You're not out here to break even or cook for people for free. So let's let these bills equal the talent. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I started turning down business and I was like, okay, God, you gave me all this confidence. I need you to back that up with some green. I got to pay my light bill. (laughs) But then it started to happen and people started to respect it. And I I said, if you don't believe in yourself before you are a brand, yeah. you'll never get anywhere. But there were some times when I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, let me know if your financial situation changes. And I mean, I would say that to an athlete. Yeah. Let me know if your financial situation changes and I'll be happy to help you. Right. And I think a lot of people are stunned. Like, I know she did not just tell me no. <laughs> and then they would come back. And then I often had to play the game. I hope nobody's watching to say, okay, well, that was that month's price. Things have increased now because it's like you have to paper train people. Like you don't, you don't put me off, you know, or try to lowball me when you wouldn't do that at, for a Doug Cat or someone like that. That's my hero, by the way. Oh, he'll love hearing. He's a, he's a very loyal listener and he will love hearing that. That's so sweet. Oh yeah. You know, you learned that I, we're all still learning it. And I, but I do think this weird um, 18 month period where we all sort of pivoted or adapted or, you know, freelanced or whatever. I think we all realized that we should want better for ourselves. I think we're getting a little more comfortable with it. So kudos to you for realizing early. My dad's famous thing. And I use it all the time. He said, do you know how much trouble it was for God to make you for the universe to combine all these special things about you to make you every day. He said, um, you don't, you don't have the right to be average. He always said that. So it's like, if you want to give up on something or for me, if I ever brought home anything, like if I brought home a C, I was grounded. My brother 
could be like the C person all day long. But if I brought home a C, I was in trouble because they knew what I was capable of. And not to say he wasn't, yeah. but we just, we were different kids, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, my dad used to always say, you don't have the right to be average. If you have a gift, if you have a talent, he said, not only do you let down the people who are coming behind you that need to see you succeed, but you're doing a disservice to yourself and to God. Mm, wow. Yeah, he had a way. He didn't even have to like, spank you or anything. He had a way of just making you feel real low. (laughs) Did you take that approach with your own daughter? I sure did. So let me tell you about this Thundercat. My daughter is 29. She went to Ohio State University, came back here, got her master's at um, Cleveland State with a 4.0. And now she is a manager in government advocacy for a a company. I won't say it. Yeah. And I love it. She's a hard worker. Yeah. She watched, she watched you do it. Oh yeah. And then her dad too. I have to give him credit because he is amazing as well. Yeah. It takes hard work. I, I feel like that's one thing my parents gave me as well. A work ethic. I, have just been working some kind of job since I was like 14. And um, I, there was just an expectation that you pulled your weight. Anyway, I loved what you said about your daughter. That was really cool. She called her a thundercat. Yes. <laughs> That's my thundercat right there because she takes no prisoners. Like she does not play. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. That is a big deal. Minus, minus 27. So I understand there's a point where, right, you've done all that you can and you hope that you have impressed upon them everything they need for their life. And then you got to let them go. You know, I'm I'm kind of let go ish, <laughs> but if I if I see her faltering in any way, we will have a family dinner so quick and get her back on track. Like we just we don't play games with her at all. Oh, we've had a couple of those. I know exactly the kind of dinner that you're talking about. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's yes. see. So you are a successful personal chef, and I know you do a bunch of other things. And and just before we dive in, you don't just um take jobs with famous people and athletes. You actually are for hire, right? Through your website. And, or is that like uh, famous people, athlete, you know, is that your lane? No, um, my, my lane is people who can afford the service, uh-huh. but the athletes, because I've been doing that for 22 years and I know how to feed an athlete. I know how to produce body goals. You know, I know this so that's my specialty. I'll say that mm-hmm. I consider myself a sports nutrition chef, mm-hmm. but if people want to hire me, you know, for private dinners or things like that, I usually don't have long-term mainstream clients. Got it. Okay. But private events, a dinner, or sometimes people will get like gift certificates to give their parents a mm-hmm. personal chef service, or if they're sick, a week of service, something like that. I'll do Okay. It. Because the boys take up so much of my time. It's almost impossible to work for the general public. Your boys in a, that you take care of. Yeah, I call them the boys. <laughs> yeah. So caring for your clients, pro <laughs> athletes, you know, elite athletes, you really have to have that different kind of knowledge. How did you learn to be such a vital partner with your clientele? I learned because every, every season when they came back, I was getting fired and it wasn't that I was getting fired because I didn't, you know, do a good job, but they come back and they say, okay, I'm going to be vegan. Or they come back and say, okay, well, my stepmother's going to cook now, or it was always something. So then I started saying, okay, I'm about to study what like the life of an athlete so Mm. I study injuries and I have friends that are doctors and I mean I'm begging them for like manuscripts and advice and give Mm. me all the athlete 
possible injuries. So I know like if an athlete gets a skin graft from a corpse versus his own rear end, that he has to have more antioxidants so he can heal quicker. So then I'm focusing on foods that have more antioxidants so I can feed you and help heal you from the inside out. So then I started being known like throughout the leagues as like the um, wow. the injury chef, like, oh, she can feed you all this nutrition because when they get injured too, they can't work out. They can't play that depression kicks in so quickly. And even if it doesn't manifest through their attitude, they're still internalizing it. You know, you want to give them foods that kick up those endorphins and keep them in good mood. So I do all kinds of cleansings and herbal teas and all kinds of stuff for them. And then I was like, okay, now we're getting into the season where they're coming back married. Uh, so all the girls want to be real slim and sexy. Let me get a meal plan for them. There's not a, a genre or a way to cook that you can ask me to do that. I cannot. Every do. season is different. Every season is different. They have different needs based on an injury, um, where they're at in their lifestyle. I mean, how do you adapt that? So usually when they come back, if I'm not doing it, um, like being brought in through administration, I get there, they have these DEXA scans, which is they just stretch out and their whole bodies are scanned. So we assess their current weight, what they were last season, what their position should be. And so then I develop their meal plan off of that so we can you know, make sure they w reach these weight goals without compromising what makes them special in the first place. So we don't want to have like a thin defensive lineman, but we need him to get rid of those saddlebags on the side that are slowing him down. So we kind of work it like that. Like when everybody was saying, oh, Baker has a man bod. And Baker, once I got in there with him, I only had him the first year for two months. And I got his body fat down to like 9%, you know, from a whopping 17 or something when I started with him. I had read about you. Uh, I had read Mark Bona's story from a couple of years ago. And, you know, I had read about your- Wasn't that lovely? Yeah, it was. No, it was great. And that's- I was in Miami when that came out. That was- so lovely. It was such a great, well, that's when I realized, you know, I want to go back and visit your start in the business and what you did, but I don't think I realized the level, you know, I'm, I, I, I know that you're cooking for pro athletes, but I, I never knew that you were really, you know, working with, uh, you know, maybe their, their team, uh, administrator, the doctor, you know, really like trying to address specific needs. I, I didn't know that your level of knowledge, you know, covered that. That's pretty amazing. And most people don't. Thank you. Most people don't. Most people think like this one day, someone on Facebook, they're like, why are you at the Brown stadiums? Are you watching practice? Why are you at the facility? And I said, I'm doing team assessments today. And this young lady said, what are you assessing whether or not they wanted salt or pepper on their green beans? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I just had to break her down basically with what I told you. But it was just like, no, honey, it's it's so much more to that. And it becomes important. And I think that the athletes who really want my services and are using me not for fashion, mm -hmm. but for this nutritional goal, they really appreciate that, you know, because mm -hmm. that is that's their career. Their bodies are their career. And they only especially in the NFL, they have that yeah. short window of time to make the money that they're going to have come out with all their scruples intact. Yeah. And they, they need to have that body in shape. Wow. You need to be in shape and you need to know how to eat when you're on the road. And, you know, after this life is mm -hmm, over, mm -hmm. you know, well, let's go back because I think it's just such a fun and interesting part of your, did you really 
set your sights on doing that kind of work? And did you really hang out where athletes hang out Mm -hmm. and, and figure out a way to, to kind of like, you know, first off, you're, I totally get your drive. I totally get that you, it's not even that you have to sweet talk anybody, man. Like, I feel like I would do whatever you told me to do. And I would just be like, yes, here are the keys to my house. Like, so tell me actually how you did that. So yes, it's true. I would go to this club called The View, which was over Mr. Albert's down on Prospect. And I would buy a bottle of whatever I would see the athletes drinking security. I used to tip them because they would help me to, you know, know who like the big rollers were, who were the big athletes. And I would present them with that bottle when I got in the VIP and say, Hey, like, my name is April. I'm a chef. I can cook for you after this. Yeah. So they would be like, always like, do you have a restaurant? No, I don't have a restaurant. I'm a private chef. I can come to your home. And you know how guys are. I don't (laughs) care if they're rich or not. Like I was popping back then. I'm not dressed as a chef. I got on mini skirts and heels too. And they're like, yeah, like, you know, meet us at our house or we'll be there after the club closes and whatever. They give me keys, passcodes to their house, whatever. I never got to know. And so Giant Eagle on West 117th mm-hmm. was open 24 hours at that time. I would go there, get whatever they needed. I'd go to their homes. I'd start the food. And then I was working at that time by day at the Coral Company, Peter Rubin. That was my last boss. And um, I would work all night because, of course, the guys weren't getting back until like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. I work all night and then I go be ready to start my job at 730 across town. So they, they play, they shower, they go club a little. And then, and then what you were like getting them the meal, the really good meal that they would have when all that was over. Yeah. But it wasn't healthy. Now I'll say that and yeah. it starts, they were not trying to eat healthy. So <laughs> I might be making anything from Sean Rogers. I can remember making chicken fried steak, which I thought was disgusting. Um, but fried chicken, mm. smothered pork chops, mac and cheese, like it, it didn't matter. They just wanted greasy food. <laughs> and you yourself, like, are you, are you yourself a, a healthy eater? Are you vegetarian or vegan? Um, yourself? I'm a vegetarian about three days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm a vegan one day a week. And then other than that, I like bacon. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. That's the thing. We'd all, we'd all be vegan if it wasn't for bacon. That's let's face it. I try to do everything in moderation for me. If I could drink all of my meals and never have to chew food, I would, because now, because I'm always on the go when I actually sit down to have a meal, it makes me nauseous. So I'd rather just drink my meals and eat sweets. I love sweets. And so that's the thing I have to, I have to train myself. Uh-huh. I'd literally, and this is so sad, but my schedule now, I just ordered food from two food delivery service companies to try them out because when I get home, I, I'm not cooking. I can't, I've been eating Captain Crunch at oatmeal all week and it's no, I have to get it. Started. Yeah. I mean, that's a really common, mm-hmm. that's pretty common. Um, and, but I know you cook, I'll tell you again. Your Instagram, which I love it, is that girl chef and every, anybody should go and check it out because first off, you're going to see a little of, uh, it's Chuchi. Yeah. Little Chuchi, you Chuchi the dog, <laughs> April having a good bath, having some tea, um, you know, restoring yourself. And then, um, I, there was just this one picture. It was from like early September. It was like a half a pineapple with all this delicious stuff in it. And it made me think about Hawaii. So oh, do you know what that was? I work for, um, have you seen Pete and Pete containers around Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah. So I work for the owner, Pete Restagno, oh, him wow. and his wife, Lisa. So they had 
um, gone to Kentucky for just some rest and relaxation. So I went up there with a group of them to be their chef. But yeah, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. You have just um, really crafted an interesting life for yourself. And I'm wondering, did you ever see yourself in a restaurant setting? Or are you like, no way, Jose? No, and I've had several offers. I usually get an offer every season for an at, from an athlete to partner. Mm-hmm, that's like, mm-hmm. I'll put up all the money. You know, I'll give you a restaurant. I don't want a restaurant mm-hmm. because I love taking care of the boys. I love the individual service. And I don't ever want to be the type that's making large pans of food because I think it loses something because I'm going to get exhausted. I'm going to hire have to hire staff. And for me, that's another. Yeah. problem because I'm the type I I don't care what happens I'm going to service my clients first and people don't always understand mm. this about me like my mom passed away this past April and God bless Fabio and Rocco um, Fahrenheit and the owner of Lotto mm-hmm. because they recommended me to Netflix to do this project that was coming mm-hmm. so um, the day of my mom's memorial, I went and got my second COVID shot. Yeah. I hosted my mom's memorial and then I started working on the Netflix project that night. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't care what happens. And so staff, you know, they're just like, oh my God, she's horrible. Every problem that you had, it's still going to be there, you know? So I know people process things differently, but again, that's an upbringing that's like, you know, we celebrate death and like, wow, I had my mom for 84 years and now she gets to be with my dad. And it's like a beautiful transition. So I'm not like tears and falling all over the place. But I had a Netflix project to do like, I wish my mom was here so I could tell her, you know, but yeah, it, it makes it hard for me to employ people because I don't, I don't want to hear excuses. I, I don't care about anything. That's- yeah. You, I, I think your bar for hard work is very, very high mm-hmm. as it should be. But, um, but that is, that can be a problem. You and I first connected right before you were doing that Netflix project. And I guess my question is, is that something you can talk about or is that something that has to be like, yeah, no, I can talk about it now. Um, so they were here filming white noise, which is a remake of the book written by Don DeLilio and Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Greta is like one of my favorite actresses in the universe. I know both of those folks. Yeah. I was working for them in their home as their chef. So I wasn't doing like craft services or anything. I was their private chef, which was amazing because they have never had a chef before. And I don't think that Noah really expected to enjoy it as much as he did. So then he started making all these crazy requests and he was throwing dinner parties. Like I could work for them the entire week and maybe have five, six dinner parties. And then like the Netflix executives would come in to check on the movie. And so I was able to cook for them, Mm -hmm. some of the stars of the movie. It was just, it was an amazing project. And again, I owe that one completely to Fabio and Rocco because when they came to Scout Locations, they visited both Lago and Fahrenheit and they enjoyed both of those places so much. They were like, oh, do you know, do you think we could borrow a chef or whatever? And both of them on separate occasions were like, no, if you need a private chef, you need to call Chef April. Oh my gosh. And, And when they called, they were literally like, you're hired, just run us the numbers. Wow. They look out for me. Like Rocco is the reason I got Quicken Loans. Because Rocco, after meeting me for 30 minutes, called the general manager of Quicken Loans and said, I know who your next um, launch test kitchen chef is. <laughs> I didn't even have to like apply and stuff. It was amazing. It's, it's always amazing to me to hear 
how the chef community uh, here, it's, um, it's, they uplift each other, they support each other. I'm sure there's friendly competition, but that's pretty, that's pretty cool that they both said, you've got to talk to her. And I'm sorry, Noah Bombach and Greta Gerwig, like, you know, that's like film Mm -hmm. and cinema royalty, right? I mean, yeah. Wow. Wow. I know a lot of people won't know them, but you, if you look them up, you'll totally know their work. Well, let's talk a little bit. I want to respect your time because I know you've got sauces to make in your kitchen. Tell me a little bit about shoulder to shoulder and what you're trying to do out in the community. Again, it's really a, sounds like to me, it's an homage to your mom and dad and the, and the values and ethics that they instilled in you. But tell me about that organization. So Shoulder to Shoulder is a group I created. It's 11 years old now, and I do a chef-inspired meal for the homeless every every week. On Thanksgiving, we do a Thanksgiving community meal. At Christmas time, I do a Christmas project, and I try to hand out brand new gifts on Christmas morning. Um, I do it solely on donations. Um, whatever I get in for the week, then I match out of pocket, do as many meals as I can, but I don't do a ton of work in the shelter. I do certain things in the shelter, but as far as my weekly meals, I go to like 10 city and the places that I know that are occupied by people who are not in shelters, the ones who may have mental illness and fearful of the shelters, ones who have pets and things like that. And it's just, it's a great community. There are times, like if I have a group with me, I really need them to understand why we're doing this and not like, oh, ta-da, look, we fed the homeless. I want you to also make sure you got enough meals in there so that we're going to sit out here. We're going to sit in the dirt and we're about to have dinner with them and we're going to talk to them. We're going to see everybody's story because everybody isn't just on drugs and just out here for no reason. Like some people, like there was this one man, we had an ice cream social at 2100 Lakeside and he started to cry when he got his ice cream. And so everybody is like, okay, like what is wrong? He said that he was in the shelter because he had become disabled. His mm-hmm. wife was caring for him. Wow. His wife passed and he could no longer afford the bill. So he came to the shelter. But their thing every Saturday was ice cream. And he hadn't had ice cream, I think he said, in like nine or 10 years. Yeah. So, And we try to make them feel like, I don't want you to feel like I'm coming to bring you dinner, like I'm feeding you on the streets. I want you to feel like, hey, hey, brother, I saw by, like, let's have a meal together. <laughs> wow. So I make them food, food. And like Dominion has been so supportive of me. So twice a year, they'll give me a large lump sum. And that's when I really like, I'll make them crab legs or shrimp pasta. And they're so spoiled. So when I pull up, they're like, chef, oh my when can we have seafood again? I'm like, now, hey, you got to let me work. We're going to all be living out here together. I can't just feed you crab legs every week. So I love it. I love it. You know, it's amazing what happens when we just really connect with our fellow humans. I mean, we all have had, we're all a couple of steps away from being in a circumstance like that. We we don't feel it. It's easy to pretend that we're not. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, we make some judgments, I think, collectively as a society about folks that are homeless. And in so many cases, they're just not true. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I know we could talk more. I know you're You've got, again, I, I just, I feel like I'm holding you back now from doing your next great thing. So um, I've just been uplifted. I knew that talking to you would really kind of inspire me and have an impact on me. And, and again, I'm just blown away by what you've, what you've done in your life. So just, I know you don't even need to hear, I get it. You don't even need to hear it, but I'm telling you that I'm so excited to bring this podcast to my listeners because I, I just feel like, you know, sometimes in this city, it's the name 
people that get all the attention. And there's so many other people out there doing work quietly or just, you know, hustling and doing interesting things. And there's, there's just no place where they're telling their story. So I I appreciate that. And I want to say to you um, again, because I do follow your, your Instagram and it speaks to me as a woman, we're probably very close in age. Sometimes you put up affirmations and quotes and phrases and things. And one of the things that I saw was if you see me less, I'm doing more. (laughs) And now that I've talked to you, I completely understand (laughs) why, uh, why we don't see a lot of you. And yet you're making just this impact in so many circles, (laughs) your energy, your passion, for life inspires me. I know our listeners will enjoy hearing from you, April. Thank you so very much. Uh, people can, if they, if they can afford you and if they are, uh, just joking, (laughs) but no, seriously, if anyone is interested in knowing more about you and considering your services, your website is wtpcs.com wild times, personal chef service.com. Hey, any closing thoughts? I hope, I hope that everybody has an amazing day. And I am thank you all for listening to this podcast. And it was amazing meeting you. So we definitely, after COVID stops messing with us, we'll have to sit down and have some tea or coffee or something. That would be fantastic. It would be my honor, April. All right, take care. Go make some good sauce. Talk to you soon. The CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork in the Road Productions. And my sound engineer is Bill Connors. This episode is made possible with support from Chef Douglas Katz and the Katz Group of Restaurants, Zug, Chimmy, and Amba. The diversity of our community is our strength, and I'd like to tell you about the Black Business Expo coming up on February 19th from 10 to 6 at Tower City. Get to know more than 100 Black-owned businesses at this special event presented by The Real Black Friday. Learn more about the event at therealblackfriday.com. Thanks so much for being here, and remember... Stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.